Chapter Thirty of the Women Who Make Our Novels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Dore. The Women Who Make Our Novels by Grant Overton. Chapter Thirty. Harriet T. Comstock. The significant thing about Harriet T. Comstock has been her role in reprint. After a novel has met the demand for it in the regular edition, the plates from which it is printed are turned over to Grosset and Dunlap, or some other publishing house, which issues popular books in inexpensive form. The show has left Broadway to go on the road. And you might not think it, but sometimes the worth of a show is never known until it hits the road. The worth of Mrs. Comstock was never known until Joyce of the North Woods went into reprint. The book at over a dollar had had a good average sale. Is 10,000 copies a good average sale? Reader, it is. Think not that all novels are best sellers. That's no more the case than that all sellers are the best novels. Joyce went into reprint and in three months sold 60,000 copies, and then it sold and sold and sold. And so, when they came to be reprinted, did Janet of the Dunes and Son of the Hills. In a little more than three years, these three novels in reprint went to 250,000 copies. Since then, The Place Beyond the Winds and later books have been put out by the reprinters. Is there any question of Mrs. Comstock's importance? We think not. But what's the explanation? What in the vernacular is the answer? The answer is just this. Mrs. Comstock is an earnest, sincere, enthusiastic writer. She is an educated woman, a suffragist, with experience in public speaking and a familiarity with public affairs. She is a homemaker who has always made the keeping of a pleasant home in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Her chief business, and who wrote at first just for fun and as she had the chance, she has convictions and no more hesitates to act upon them than to express them. She is personally modest. You have to dig things out of her about herself. But is this the answer? Is there something else? Yes, there is this else. Mrs. Comstock has worked with intensive culture and a visible reward the peculiarly modern literary field known, it really isn't so known, but it will be, as idealism. What's that? There are realists and romanticists, although no two of us agree as to what makes a literary realist what a romanticist. Yet we all recognize the distinction. It is a sure, if shadowy, boundary. But a literary idealist? The literary idealist is the product of everybody's dissatisfaction with what the other two give us. Vexed with the clash of all the allopath and the homeopath, some send for the osteopath. The figure of speech we employ is no offhand metaphor. Literary idealists, like Mrs. Comstock, are a kind of literary osteopaths. They go at us vigorously. They decline to dose us with the nauseous compounds of realism and they shudder at the thought of our taking sugar pellets of romance. What they want us to do is to let them rub, thump, pound, and flex us, mentally and emotionally, of course. They say, Now see here, your intellect and your emotions may not be very wonderful, but they are your own. Exercise them. Rely on them. Keep well and happy by using them to the fullest extent. They are what the Lord gave you. Don't try to refine them till they become flabby. Don't use them brutally till they go to pieces. Recognize your limitations, and you'll be all right. That's Mrs. Comstock's secret, whether she would put it that way herself or not. She is not a great novelist in the usual acceptation of the word. 
she is in respect of literary distinction not even a good novelist aesthetically considered she is nowhere practically considered she is in a hundred thousand homes entertaining people instructing people osteopathizing making them use the brains and feelings they have preventing them from aping something they have not and cannot acquire killing snobbery at the roots arresting the blight of disillusionment and convincing young and old that certain simple fundamental instincts and certain simple fundamental principles of character are what count with them she is right they do conviction about the truth of life conviction as to the best use of the novel namely to present the great truths of life in an attractive manner where they will reach the greatest number of people this sums up harriet t comstock how did she come to write the place beyond the winds which presents the question of eugenics and the ethics of silence on certain matters affecting marriage mrs comstock's face saddens and she tells you i had a most unpleasant experience once i happened to learn that the very attractive son of a dear friend of mine was totally unfit to marry the girl to whom he was engaged i approached the young man but found him obdurate so after a long mental and a spiritual struggle i revealed the facts to the girl's mother it was the most trying experience of my life then the feeling came to me that i must write about it must do my small part toward banishing the evil exactly there you have the idealist in action as well as in literature it is perfectly plain what some people will think of mrs comstock's course it is equally plain that the hundreds of thousands will approve it do her the fine justice to acknowledge that whatever any one thought of it that even if every one else in the world condemned her she would have done as she did she has in a showdown absolute and unlimited courage then and then only is her rooted modesty and her equally rooted humor put aside as for the humor that is hers it comes out fully in the narrative of her experiences campaigning for suffrage as she once wrote and then the auntie who became converted and in a burst of gratitude sent me a bottle of benedictine maybe she felt as the young girl at a revival once felt who electrified the congregation by shouting good lord my jewelry is dragging me down to hell i'm going to give it to my sister go out to flatbush as alice lawton did one sunshiny afternoon afterward relating her experience in the book news monthly travel along a broad tree-shaded street between rows of real homes with full complement of flower gardens and babies and puppies stop at a pretty wide verandaed white pillared house and call upon mrs comstock wife mother homemaker novelist a jill of many trades and successful at them all she seats you in a cozy brown-walled drawing-room beside a little round table you eat piping hot buttered toast and crisp jumbles and drink properly brewed tea sunny comes strolling in a large beautifully marked burn jonesy yellow cat a persian the creature is polite but heads for little mahogany desk and sniffs at the single drawer it contains his catnip the hostess is the sort of woman you make confidences to mrs comstock is cheerful has smiling eyes and a loving toned voice curly gray hair wears pretty clothes and almost always flowers one feels a hearty welcome even when one telephones her she never sounds annoyed nor even interrupted upstairs there's a bright little room where she works couch in one corner built-in bookcase in another big desk in the middle the desk is heaped with piles of closely written paper and books on the soft buff paper of the walls are paintings drawings photographs the originals of illustrations to mrs comstock's books are noticeable here she writes most of each novel subjected to endless interruptions 
Friends and neighbors of a novelist never take the novelist's work seriously. When the finishing chapters are to be done, Mrs. Comstock packs manuscript, pencils, and paper, and goes away. Her publishers and her husband have the address, no one else. She is one of the extremely few novelists who do not use a typewriter. She writes it all out longhand and makes several copies before she gets through. She began by writing stories for the school paper. She continued by writing children's stories, then books for older girls and boys. Janet of the Dunes was her first novel. Thomas Hardy is her favorite author. Whenever I feel that I am stranded, I read Hardy and regain my poise. He discusses so clearly and nobly the problems with which we are struggling today. And I also like Barry, principally, I think, because he knows women so thoroughly, and I always know he knows. Stevenson once said of George Eliot that when she wrote of men, they always put their hands up to feel if their hair is coming down. But Barry writes of women without their appearing with a cigar in their hands. Of her method of work, Mrs. Comstock says, The first thing I see is the place and the people, the background and the actors. Then their story begins to unfold in my mind. When the time comes that the story must be written before I can have any peace of mind, I sit down to it, not before. Other writers, I understand, usually see the story or the people first, and the background later. With me, the background, the environment of my character, is all important. Why, I even keep a set of pictures of the country I am writing of on my desk beside me. Mrs. Comstock always goes to the scene of her stories. Her backgrounds are always of actual places, and her people are frequently real people. Thus, in Joyce of the North Woods, her St. Ange is a place in northern New York, and all the lesser characters are taken from life. In The Vindication, Dr. Hill is straight out of actuality. On a suffrage tour, Mrs. Comstock met this young physician whose work had been so largely among the Adirondack poor. He, too, had adopted a backward and neglected child, just as Dr. Hill takes hold of the boy, Chester, in Mrs. Comstock's novel. A son of the hills was the fruit of a visit in the Virginia mountains. Not the immediate fruit. Some time had to elapse before Mrs. Comstock could see the story in the mountaineers. In Mademoiselle Joe, Mrs. Comstock has gone up north again, to the St. Lawrence country, and she tells the moving story of a woman of forty, who has at last struggled clear of debt, and is at last able to gratify the instinct of mother love which is in her. Popular she is, but she does not think of popularity. In truth, a writer cannot. For, as Mrs. Comstock says, the writer who thinks of the possible popularity of her work when she should be thinking of her story will impair her work. And her work is the thing with Mrs. Comstock. Reject it if you like. Accept it if you will. She will go unshakably on. She has something to do and is about doing it. Books by Harriet T. Comstock Janet of the Dunes, 1908 Joyce of the North Woods, 1911 a Son of the Hills, 1913. The Place Beyond the Winds, 1914. The Vindication, 1917. Mademoiselle Joe, a novel of the St. Lawrence Country, 1918. Also many books for boys and girls. Mrs. Comstock's earlier books are to be had in reprint. Janet of the Dunes was published by Little Brown and Company, Boston. The others are published by Doubleday, Page and Company, New York. End of Chapter 30